This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter. Your life is too short and too precious to waste. Written and narrated by New York Times bestseller Kathy Lee Gifford. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Woke up this morning with my mind. This is Pass the Mic. Dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic, dynamic voices for a diverse church powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter at Burns23. Follow at your own risk. And joining me, as always, is the president of The Witness, the man, the myth, the legend, the best-selling author, Mr. Blue Check Verified himself, Jamar Tisby. What's up, man? Hey, yo, you looking? <laughs> you trying to throw me off with your little hand uh, gestures here. You know, I'm just this trying to get like on your level. This boy look like an air traffic controller out here. on your level. Nah, you know, man. Preachers <laughs> preach with their hands. You know how it is. You a preacher, too. What you preaching <laughs> tripping about? <laughs> yo, what's up, man? How you doing? Man, I'm loving this series. Uh, We're getting into some things, and I hope people understand a little bit more about sort of the philosophy, the motivation, the ideas behind what we do and how we do what we do, because I would argue we're a bit of a unique flavor out there. Yeah, absolutely. So we talked last week about the witness of justice. And as we think about the witness of justice, I know you wanted to make a point about kind of all that as well. Just in our conversation, you were you were talking about a couple of things that you wanted to reiterate. Yeah. So one thing that we didn't really have time to get into, and I'll just mention it briefly here, is the fact that I have seen so many non-Christians witnessing for justice in powerful ways. Mm. So I was at a conference called the Making and Unmaking Mass Incarceration Conference with all the leading lights and thinkers about criminal justice reform, prison abolition, all of these things. And many of them were not believers. They were very far from confessing faith in Jesus Christ. And yet they will risk their jobs and money and comfort for the sake of justice for others. So, you know, in a theological lens, we call this common grace, right? Like like anybody no matter how close or far they are from uh, the true and living God, they can express a desire for the well-being of others and work very hard for Mm -hmm. it. But my point here is this. So often as Christians, we refuse to link arms with other people simply because they're not Christian. Hmm. And to me, part of the witness of justice means being present wherever injustice occurs and working with whomever Hmm. is working against injustice. Now, there's all kinds of caveats, right? Like when you when you partner with somebody on one cause, it doesn't mean you partner with them on everything. It doesn't mean you co-sign or affirm everything they believe or whatnot. But just like any other relationship, just like (laughs) any other relationship. Right. But it's become so stigmatized. To, to to like like Black Lives Matter. Right. It's not an explicitly Christian movie, so we can't get involved. 
right? Yeah. And I, I just think that's very off. Yeah. And especially because many times there's not a quote unquote Christian alternative, right? <laughs> like, sure, sure. There, there's there's nothing that that Christians are offering that are as broad or have as much organization or as much potency as these other movements or initiatives might have. Hmm. So it's just something to think about and consider, right? Okay. Like like is the line you draw for justice, I will only work with other Christians, and yeah. then even what kind of Christian, right? Do they check every box yeah. I check? Yeah. I mean you start you start having to narrow it down continuously yes. at different stages. Endless different degrees. of it. So yeah. just something to think about. Okay. And I think it's also a just a powerful Christian witness if we are involved in justice causes, even with people who don't share our same transcendent beliefs or faith mm. convictions. Well, uh, that's there's a lot to unpack there. We're not going to talk about it this episode, but we would definitely need to put a pin in that and talk about that later in this series as well. Um, the witness of our faith in, in broader society. But today, as you probably heard from the little clip at the beginning, uh, which set the episode off right, we are talking about the witness of art the witness of black art to be specific. And this is obviously in the series, Can I Get a Witness? And so we're talking about our philosophy, everything that as it relates to how we we think and believe, how we view the world from a black Christian perspective here at The Collective. So I have to make a honest admission here. We're recording this around the time of the Oscars. So the Oscars for us, we have not seen them. So if you know, you're like, man, it's, this might have completely contradicted what we're saying, but we saw the nominees and one of the films that did not get nominated um, in a film that I know a lot of people have been saying they're going to go see and patronize and support is Just Mercy. Now, you're a big fan of Brian Stevenson. We've had Absolutely. him on the podcast. Uh, you can go back and listen to that episode. But this film actually is kind of a basically a retelling of his book, a dramatic retelling of his book featuring Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Foxx, Brie Larson. I have to admit something to you, Jamar. As it stands at this recording, I have not seen this film. That's not an admission. That's okay. But the admission is, I don't think I can see this film. Oh. I don't think I can go to this film. Why is that? I'm not boycotting the film. I'm so excited that the film is, go is doing well. I don't know if I can take any more of these movies. Yes. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if I can take it. So a lot of people don't know this, but I'll tell you this, and I guess all our listeners too. I was actually, <laughs> I was actually on the set of Just Mercy when it was um when they were doing the filming so just for a day it wasn't like i was a consultant it wasn't like i'm chummy with michael b jordan and jamie fox but i was there and the particular scene there was a a, a man who was incarcerated who was meeting uh, brian stevenson and it's kind of a pivotal moment in just mercy the book and the man started singing you know i'm pressing on the upper way New Heights I'm gaining every day, you know? So he was hmm. singing that and it was really powerful. And I remember sitting back thinking, you know, everybody around, especially, you know, it was a very, uh, you know, a lot of white people on the set. They were like, wow, it's so powerful. <laughs> yeah. And I was kind of sitting back. I'm like, I don't want to see this on screen. Mm. And it's powerful. I'm just so tired of these films. And I don't know. It, I think it's just reached critical mass for me. Mm. 
And I think it happened very quickly. Normally, I would say, no, we need to support them, make as many of these films as you want to make. And I don't know, I guess it's 2020, new year, new me. I I don't know if I can take it anymore. And part of this was because, you know, you see the Oscar nominations. Oscar nominations reveal a lot about what, you know, the Academy would consider to be high art. Yes, right? values, yeah. And you nominate Cynthia Revo for Harriet. Great, awesome. But Lupita Nyong'o for us is not nominated, right? That's a different type of role, but the slave role gets nominated, mm. Right. You you see, obviously, you know, Green Book. Oh, you know? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Which we could talk me. about. Oh my goodness. Uh don't even get us started on that. You see crooks and criminals who, you know, are portrayed by black people. Yeah, it's you see slaves Denzel get his first and only training Oscar day for training day. Well, no, his best actor. Best, best actor. actor for, for training day. Yeah. And then Holly Berry for Monsters Ball. Right. And, uh, Jamie Foxx for Ray. That was a good one, you know, portraying Ray Charles, you know, the Academy's love for biopics. Bro, I don't know if I can go see any more of these struggle movies. I don't it's know so if I can see any more of this, bro. For so long, our stories haven't been told. And now we're finally gaining the entree in Hollywood to tell them on a broad cinematic scale. But at the same time, these stories are still occurring. So sure. Just Mercy is a contemporary story of Brian Stevenson's experience as a lawyer working with incarcerated people on death row. So that's not a, you know, ancient history (laughs) kind of tale that we're telling about antebellum slavery or anything like that. The fact is we're still undergoing the, the struggles and the stories still need to be told. And so how do we get it out there? But I feel you. I totally feel you. I've never seen 12 Years a Slave. I've never seen. Oh yeah, was, yeah. You know, <laughs> Amistad, things like that. You like, talk about Regina King for Bill Street could talk. I still haven't seen Bill Street could talk. Man, um, yeah, I feel so bad about it too. But see, because I don't I'm think like, you should. I can't. I, I've gone through watch this conversation these films. with myself all the time, and a lot of people across the racial spectrum are like, "Oh my gosh, you haven't seen this that movie?" I'm like, no. First of all, I live it every day. Secondly. We talk about it every week. So (laughs) as we think about this, this whole idea of what is black art, and this is just in one sphere, right? A very limited sphere, which is movies, right? We talk a lot about visual arts, and but there's also the witness of black music as well. I remember reading this particular quote in 1619, the project um, that Nicole Hannah-Jones organized and Wesley Morris. I had this phenomenal episode talking about, you know, black music um, in the New York Times Daily Podcast. And as he was writing about it, he said in this particular quote, for centuries, black music forged in bondage has been the sound of complete artistic freedom. No wonder everybody is always stealing it. (laughs) So he's talking about this history of black music and how it's kind of been co-opted, appropriated and stolen. And then you think of a whole other side of of black art that we don't really talk about, and that's paintings, and that's sculptures, and that's you know, you know, museum art, you know, and and theater art, and places where we wouldn't even be. And it leads me to ask this question: What is the witness of black art, particularly? Why do we make art in the first place? What is the purpose of it, and is it helpful for us? to make black art for the approval of the white populace? Is it helpful for us to make black art in mixed company? 
or is it necessary for us to kind of retreat to our enclaves? Because, you know, as I think about it, uh, my sister, she was asking me, she's like, you know, they, they got this new BET streaming service, right? So I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. And she's like, you're going to get it? I'm like, no. And she was like, why not? I'm like, because I don't need another streaming service. But I have Disney Plus and, uh, yeah. and Netflix and Prime. And it's like, this okay, so, you know, she's like, well, why not? And so it makes me ask this question, like, what is the witness of black art? Um, and what is the purpose of why we make, why we do creative things? You know, is it to be approved? Is it to be accepted? Is it to win these awards? Man, you digging deep in the liberal arts humanities <laughs> side of the educational Okay, spectrum. well, I guess I should give you guys some background. <laughs> Off mic, Bo and I were having this conversation about about the the particular music video song This Is America by Childish Gambino aka Donald Glover. I don't know if he mentioned himself as Childish Gambino or Donald Glover in that one. But This Is America obviously won Grammy for best song, best record last year and we talked about it at length and I kind of sat back and said, what was that for? <laughs> I ain't talked about it. I ain't played it in months. What was the lasting impact? Yeah, like, what was it for? There was no album that followed it. He was like, they asked him about it. He's like, well, you know, just leave it up to interpretation, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And so, (laughs) Bo was like looking at me like, bro, come on. But I'm saying it was nice for that, you know, two weeks when we were breaking it down. It was a moment. And then they, I heard they played it in the club or something and people got down to it. Great. This is America, real, real, a real banger. Guns in your area. <laughs> but all now right. I'm thinking, like, what was the point of it? And it won all these awards, right? And so I, I guess the question is, how does how does the art that we have today, from a black perspective, or even a black Christian perspective, how is that art properly carrying on the tradition of art within our community and the tradition of witness through the arts? Well. As I think about this topic generally, it occurs to me, and, and probably others have said it before, but the the movement always needs a muse, mm. always needs art, and is often accompanied by art. So, so any sort of great justice movement has music, visual art, clothing, mm-hmm. all associated. It has a sound, with it. yeah. Yes, there's 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 an aesthetic to it. So if you look at the Black Power movement, Mm -hmm. there are different segments of Black Power. Most people are familiar with sort of the political and organizing segment of Black Power, but there's also a cultural arts movement, Mm -hmm. a Black arts movement that comes about at this time. And so the most iconic visual is of the Black Panthers, right? Right. Black leather coats, uh, afros, Mm -hmm. the pics, which was a celebration yeah. of their African heritage. I'll put my pick out right now. But this is also the time where 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 black people in America start start wearing dashikis, yeah, yeah. Um, necklaces and sure, jewelry, sure. Uh, all kinds of things. They, they changed their names, right, mm-hmm. to African names. So this was all part of the black consciousness movement. Yeah. Yeah. And you can look at other movements, right? So so the song that that opened us up was being sung by Fannie Lou Hamer mm-hmm. and was a song she often sang and other activists often sang on marches, boycotts, pickets, yeah. protests, yeah. etc. There's always this soulful element. And I think that's what gets to your question, right? What is sort of black art, black Christian art? It's 
It's the visual, material, auditory, sensory expression of mm. the soul. Hmm. Hmm. And I think there's so much about black art that is for that is representing where we are as a people. Yep. I think about Kendrick Lamar's All Right. You know, and even even in fairness, you know, Donald Glover's This Is America too, which really does speak to where we are. Yes. It speaks to the movement, which is why everyone kind of jumped on it when it came out. And it was unexpected and the visuals and there was a breakdown. But I think of something like Kendrick Lamar's All Right, which visually is so stunning. And it's this really interesting mix, especially at the beginning of the music video when you see these police officers like carrying this car, you know, and then you see um, the the different aesthetics of culture. Then you see Kendrick flying through the street and it's like, wow, this is like where we are from the place of, you know, representing the plight, representing the struggle, but also representing just the the intensity and the ferocity of our our personal identity and so you got these these kids they're they're dancing like in the middle of the song you're like wait what like everything Mm kind of shifts and then it goes from back and forth to struggle to like this anthem of and chant of we're gonna be all right and then also at the end he dies you know so it's like this mix and you're like okay that's kind of how we feel yeah like we kind of feel like rallying we kind of feel like dancing and we might die, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> like there's yeah. a whole bunch of that that goes into it. And so I think art kind of represents where we are and it's an outlet for us to be honest about where we are. And then the consuming of art also has this cathartic property. So I think about um, Solange. Right? Mm. So I think about what listening to listening to Solange, it had um, a seat at the table. It had this sense of healing, like it was like washing over your soul. It was like washing over your heart. It was like a deep breath. And it's like, yes, she's perfectly summarizing where we're at. Mm-hmm. And that there's a power in art that a podcast can't right. accomplish, right. that a sermon can't accomplish, that a history lesson can't accomplish. I may not be able to tell it to you right, but I might be able to sing it to you right. Yes. And that might get you in the, in the place and also might be a perfect summation of where we're at right now. So when I think of this topic, the, the arts, I think we're meaning as sort of a broad category to encompass all kinds of oh, yeah. artistic all expression, kinds, yeah. music, movies, um, uh, performance art, dance, dance. Yo, so dance, <laughs> like, and even, even that, I don't know, even that the releasing, the freeing of we don't have acts. Sometimes people take our bodies, you know, to use the Tanahasi Coast idea. You know, sometimes we don't, we lose our bodies. People take our bodies. And now the, the beauty of not having to be Gnostic and think that our bodies don't matter. Right. Yeah. And disembodied yeah. people, but we're fully embodied and the freedom and joy of that. You did that joy and justice. You was going in, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's no evidence. Uh. <laughs> no, but I mean, even that moment, that's so powerful. The excitement, it takes over. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think we see that even within black church. And exactly. Within I was thinking of liturgical of dance. Yeah, Liturgical you know. dance. Um, all the line dances that we have. Oh man, Cupid Shuffle to um, I mean, name the wobble, right? <laughs> uh, the electric slide, man. 
all of these things become cultural touch points, particularly of Black Joy when you're talking about mm-hmm. dance. Um, yeah. But dance could really express anything. You know, you think of of Alvin Ailey and yeah, the incredible yeah. movement that he really helped birth through his dance company um, and the vision he gave people. You think the first Black premier ballerina. You know uh, Missy Copeland? About? Missy Copeland. Yes. Amazing to see that representation in this style that has been so dominated yeah, by yeah. Europeans and white people. Yeah. Um so 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 you know the expressions mm-hmm. of dance in all kinds of area. But there's so much, right? Like it just again this idea of of it's expressing our soul. Yeah. Which is this, this the, the 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 word soul mm-hmm. has this really deep connotation of Afrocentricity. Mm-hmm. It's the blend of the suffering we've endured, the joy we've forged mm-hmm. and fought for, mm-hmm. the ongoing struggle for both, the racial identity and yeah. the pride in who we are. Yeah, and then the art flows out of that. Yeah, right, right. It's our Africanness. So I, I would love for us to talk a little bit more about this idea of Christian art and how it intersects. But first, we have to go to a break. So stay tuned as we talk more about the witness of art. This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Grieve, Breathe, Receive, Finding a Faith Strong Enough to Hold Us, written and narrated by Pastor Steve Carter. Grieve, Breathe, Receive. Those three words became a profound mantra for Steve Carter during a season of deep healing, the kind that comes after painful trauma. Grieve, Breathe, Receive is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Visit thomasnelson.com audio to learn more. So, Jamar, we were just talking about specific instances of art, and I really want us to tell stories of when art moved us and then we can talk about more of the the particulars and the mechanics and maybe a definition of why art is so important to our witness but what was the time that art moved you moved you it it met you at the right moment yeah and it found you and it really spoke to you where you were i don't even have to think about it i know right off the bat um trip lee's song could have been me okay you use that a lot too. Yeah. And so when you're talking about earlier, you know, art meets us in a moment and really expresses mm-hmm. where we are right then. That song just hit because the theme is police brutality mm-hmm. and the killings of unarmed black people at the hands of law enforcement. And so Trip Lee is talking about we see all these human beings who have become hashtags, mm-hmm. but as black people, we know it could have been me or it could have been someone I know, someone close to me, someone who I love. And he just expressed in artistic form the communal sense of suffering that we get right, right. when we see a black person being murdered 
by the people who are supposed to serve and protect. Mm -hmm. So that song, you know, especially in 2015, 2016, you know, sort of the height of, of when we were having these conversations, I would often go back to it. And it was it's it's an interesting experience because it's a it's a very sobering song, yeah. but it was also cathartic for me to listen to hmm. it because sometimes you have this emotional stopgap in you, yeah, yeah, where where you feel all of this stuff, but it's trapped inside you, and it huh. takes art to release that to emotional pressure. Yeah. yeah, so so that would often do it for me, you know. So listening in tears and in reflection and in sympathy and in anger all of that what about for you yeah so i think i think one in particular that um it was really important for me in the 90s um i think it was i think it came out in the 90s but the new nation project kurt franklin yes and so this is kind of how art kind of intersects with our our christian expression because the new nation project was kind of this young christian manifesto it was kind of this moment mm. where you could stand up and especially in our context. So I grew up in, you know, what people call like mega church culture or whatever, you know, in the Pentecostal charismatic movement. And so that that whole intersection, Kurt Franklin was really for us and it was for a lot of other people. And, you know, he went on, you know, all these other shows and but it was for us. It was like the pushing forward of. It was really the broadening, expanding of Christian expression. What was allowed in was black that Christian Kurt expression. Franklin's background? Yeah, like I think Kurt Franklin's background was a mix. Like, I think it was Baptist and also kind of that that Pentecostal uh, side, but more so like missionary Baptist. But I remember how that one project, everyone was kind of converging on it. So much so that my favorite artist, Fred Hammond, mm. you know, they were friends. I didn't they know were he was fr- your favorite. Yeah, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. And so my favorite artist, Fred Hammond, him and Kirk were, you know, had done songs together. And he even said in a live DVD, I don't know what my boy Kirk doing. I don't know what he's doing. And I remember I was just sitting back. I was like, what? And I was like, man, this is a moment because everyone's critiquing his intersection wow. with popular culture and yeah. the mainstream. Honestly, we need to do a whole episode y- yeah. on the impact of Kirk Franklin. We we should. Yes. We should. He should come on the show too. Yes, but, please. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, as we as we process, as I processed that, I was a young Christian and that was like the first time I was like for a lot of us that we could say, "Oh, this is us. This is who we could be." And he was giving us music to who we could be, but it was still very, you know, Christ-centered and rooted. But he was giving us a sound mm. that we could connect to. Yes. And then the second time I would say is, um, and this has kind of been all music driven, but I think it's so important. Uh, the second time is is 2014, late 2014. Uh, there was a release of an album called Black Messiah by D'Angelo and the Vanguard. My, my, my. And that's my one of my top five albums ever. Wow. For me. And D'Angelo and the Vanguard took all the frenetic chaotic energy of the movement and you remember i put on you know the cultural artifacts but they took all the frenetic chaotic energy of the movement and channeled it into a project in a way that was so subversive and angry and discordant and hopeful and and in the end of the album is another life which is like this mellow chill summation of everything 
and it kind of brings it back. There was something about that album that whenever I'm feeling overwhelmed by the movement, overwhelmed by injustice, I always go back to that album. Man, I'm glad you reminded me of that. I'm you got to put that, that on your... Yes, I just put it on the playlist. Absolutely. Oh, man. Art and goes- even the prayer, like he has a prayer, like he he does a Lord's Prayer, um, the, the Desmond Tutu joint. It's just, oh my goodness, I could talk about that. But that's like a moment for me when I was yeah. like... Oh, like I needed this right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think there's a flourishing of black art right now, mm-hmm. which has been something to witness, something a really a sight to behold. So you have pop culture kind of art. Like when Beyonce dropped the Lemonade album, yeah. It was a moment. Like yeah. like it felt like a shift in the cultural landscape. And so you were talking earlier about, you know, sort of what is the lasting impact or what was um, this is America, the song four. I think sort of the the opposite of that, and and the one that did have this sort of lasting impact is still the co- subject of conversation among a lot of folks. Is is that album? Yeah. Um, but there's other kinds of art, yeah. right? So I think of the real, the huge significance of having an artist like Kahinde Wiley. Right. Oh, I knew you were going there. The yeah. presidential portrait yeah. of Barack Obama. And when you see this, you know, so it's it's Obama if you haven't if you haven't seen the picture or need to be reminded of it. It's a portrait and uh it's President Obama sitting on a chair, uh sort of um on the edge of the chair leaning forward, very powerful yet relaxed pose, but the background is what's so stark and it's mm. all these ivy leaves. It's yep. just a field of ivy leaves. It's n- and so every president has their portrait painted for them. And as you look across the dozens and dozens and dozens of portraits, not only are they all white men, but they're all these very traditional sure. headshot kind sure. of things. Yeah, yeah. And then boom, Kehinde Wiley's <laughs> portrait. Like you can't miss it. <sighs> and it so stands out in the controversy and the conversation that it that it sparked. But it was appropriate for the yeah. moment, not only for the first black president, but for what we were experiencing as black people in America. You know, you bring up a really interesting point, and this is as we think about the witness of black art and the witness of art in general. My question is, you know, in this particular context in 2020. Are black Christians appreciating art as we should? Hmm. And I think for a lot of us, what we tend to do is we don't tend to appreciate risk and we don't intend, we don't, uh, you know, tend to appreciate, um, art that pushes us in ways that are uncomfortable. Right. And that's what I felt like, you know, even being honest, like that's what I felt like, you know, this is America did. Like it pushed us in a way that was uncomfortable and it may not have been a lasting impact. It may not have been something that lives on and we talk about for 20, 30 years. But for that moment, there was something that needed to be said through that. And it was. Yeah. And it captured people. And so the question is, are we, do we have a proper Christian perspective, a, a robust view? of what art is, what it should be, and then what it can be. And to allow us to really say, if our God is creative Mm. and if our God values our flourishing, and if our God sees the broad expanse of the world and speaks a world that is beautiful into existence, then how much more so for us 
to be co-creators, to be participators in the creativity of that creative God. And so I'm asking this question as a pastor as well. I'm asking this question as a faith leader. I'm asking this question as someone who's a part of the movement. Are we valuing art? And are we valuing all of art well? Because I think our fundamentalist distinctions of what art should and shouldn't be, I think they've been broken down because we've seen so much of God's good, common grace Mm. from unexpected sources. Right, right. I mean, it begs the question, what is our theology of the arts or theology of art? Um, Because you mentioned the word creation and creative, which expands the conversation, right? Because when we think about art, we're thinking in these categories, music, movies, poetry, those kinds of things. But there's an artistic element to creation and creativity. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I, I I don't know. I this is this is out of my depth. No, I mean, and and but I think it's something for us to kind of think through, and it also intersects with justice too. Because yeah, I mean, a, a big part of art that we didn't even discuss is fashion. Yeah. Oh man. You know, that's a big part of art, and we didn't even discuss this. Right. You I know, mean, we, we didn't talked even... about like the the Black Panther leather yeah. jackets, but there's so much more to it, dashikis and and whatnot. Yeah. But modern art it. and the way it's it's perceived. What I think we need is. You know, the witness believes deeply um, as a unit that we need not just theology, not just justice, not just history, but we need artistry. Yes. And that means that the creatives have to come forth. The creatives have to be given space to create, room to operate, room to invent, challenge, and summarize where we are. So we look to the creatives, like I, I envision this room, right? So we have the historians and we have the pastors and we have the, the activists and advocates and we have the politicians and we have the, the everyday lay people from the economist and the, the um, corporate uh, people who are, who are connected in organizations and, and in popular culture. And we have the healthcare providers who are going to be the, how are we how are we going to have a movement if we're not putting artists and creatives at the table and telling them to challenge us with their art, to challenge us? And it's it's this creeping suspicion even as well, like in my preaching and my leading, that I'm not incorporating enough art, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because yeah. I'm like, well, there's a linear way of explaining right. all this. There's an right. intellectual way, but some people will only get it through the through sound. The yeah. Some people will only get it through the creativity. I so saw this as a middle school teacher and principal that there were some kids um, who could sit in the classroom and listen to the teacher explain it or get the worksheet or whatever it might be. But there were so many students whose genius and potential wasn't unlocked until they had to they had the opportunity to express it artistically and that could be through painting that could be through dancing that could be through an instrument whatever it might be mm-hmm. but they were actually it almost appeared that they were different people because their humanity had a release wow had huh. a, had a, had a chance to express themselves huh. so i absolutely believe that as christian leaders we need to be thinking about the arts yeah. because there are going to be people who are in our care. Yeah. Man, I even think about the person who's 
on our team that we resident our resident creative Adam Keeley. Yeah, man. Comedy. <laughs> man, know? yes. Absolutely. So life-giving. Like the satire and the lament and, and the laughter and the trauma yes. laughter and all that. And and you know what I think we have to do is there are times where strategically justice advocates, preachers, pastors, historians have to actually intentionally take a step back and push the creatives forward and say now is your time. And how how much of our resistance to the current administration and regime, how much of our resistance to injustice has been stunted and has only reached a certain level because we're using the same conventional tactics, my, my, my. which well, are our words and our, our, our scholarship. And right. we just lean so much on that. And how much of it is we have to pull that back and we have to push forward the creatives you know, in in biblical time, in biblical times, what what did they do when they went into a battle? They put the praisers in the front, mm. <laughs> like they put okay, they put the preacher. instruments Preach. in the front. Yeah, and so it's it's like it's centering praise, of course, and it's invoking the presence of God as they went into battle. But then there's a greater, broader imagery, which is put the creatives in front, see mm. what happens. Wow, and to follow them and see where they take us. So I've always thought that every justice movement needs at least three elements. The assembly, meaning the church, the people of God, uh, the academy, mm-hmm. meaning scholarship, the intellectual portion, but also the arts. Mm. And those three things, when they work in tandem, are a potent force yeah. for positive change. The academy, the assembly, and the arts. That's so good. The academy, the assembly, and the arts. Yeah. That's core witness. That's how we <laughs> That's structured our witness. conference, actually. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's the best practices right yeah, there. That's, yeah. a, That's a little insider. Let me, let me name a couple of examples of art that I just think are really important. Um, first of all, blues music. Yeah. So I live in the Mississippi Delta, the the birthplace of blues music. And it's such an authentically black way of expression because it arises out of our suffering mm-hmm. and it doesn't shy away from it. It doesn't sort of hit you with this saccharine sweet, um, you know, life isn't as bad as you think it is. Blues music says, no, life is really bad. It's blue. But when we sing about it, we have some agency over it. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. suffering and the sorrow doesn't control us. No, we control it. We put it in rhyme and meter and verse and the blue scale, you know, mm-hmm. and it's so gritty. It is a grassroots kind of art that people practiced with the instruments they had available, right, whether that was right. a tin can or a washboard or a guitar that they had handmade, you know? And so authentic blues music has this transparency to it and this simplicity of, I don't have a lot, but I'm rich. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's an incredible thing that you, you you can only experience. Blues music helps you get there, but come visit the Delta and you'll see what it's like. Yeah. And it's just a beautiful expression. Dude, I love that, man. I and then for me, it would definitely be I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. Yeah, I've talked about this a Here little bit go. on the podcast. But man, stepping, bro. Oh, yes. Absolutely love it. 
Step. I know what I'm going to do in the ask 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 questions portion. Okay, bet bet bet. So, <laughs> no, I'm not stepping on the podcast, <laughs> but <laughs> but stepping, man, absolutely. I think the physicality. I think there's a level of of. I think our worlds. What it tends to do is it even as you think about TV streaming, like it's trying to make us sedentary. And our power comes through our movement. You know, Barbara Holmes talks about this in Joy Unspeakable. She talks about how the 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 movement in like an African circle, the movement is designed to open us up and prepare us for what God will do. And so it's almost like this anticipation. It's why you hear a lot of preachers and a lot of pastors they say, "Don't don't wait till the battle is over. Shout now." <laughs> Why? They're trying to get you prepared bodily, body, mind, and soul for what God is about to do. It's anticipation, but it's also orienting your body as well. Right. And so I think for me, you know, you know, stepping, even whether it's Christian, non-Christian context, I think it's just so powerful to like in, in, engage your body and, and really prepare yourself for what's going to yeah. happen. And it, it, it's, it's, it's attached to black fraternities and sororities and yeah. the culture that goes yeah. with it, which is a culture of service and pride and Afrocentricity. And so it, it feels like this really pro-black kind of expression. It is. And the movements themselves are so assertive, so powerful. Hmm. We're in a world that insists that we be quiet and stay in our place. Of course. Stepping not only steps, it stomps. Yes. It claps. Disruptive. It shouts. Yeah. And you know, when they do it on the square at a university, if you've had the The privilege of seeing it. Oh my goodness. Like you could be going to your anthropology class at, you know, 11 a.m. And they <laughs> step boys in the go, yard. They're them boys. <laughs> you have to pause. Of course. They you stroll in or doing whatever. Yeah, it's, it's, of course. it's pageantry. It's amazing. I'll mention one more piece that I think is critically important, especially as it pertains to conversations about justice, and that's performance art. Mm. One of my favorite episodes of Pass the Mic ever was a very brief interview we got to do with Bree Newsom. Yeah. Bree Newsom is an activist in uh, North Carolina, and she does this work. But she's an artist, and she has been and still is an artist. And so she, if you know her name, you probably know her from when she climbed the flagpole in front of the state house in South Carolina after the Emanuel Nine massacre, and she physically took down the Confederate flag that was in front of the the state house and she got arrested for it and all this this iconic picture of her holding the flag while still a, atop the pole powerful it's so powerful, powerful. and she described it as performance art hmm. what a lot of people don't realize is that this took tons of planning discipline coordination and it was choreographed almost like hmm. a dance was wow to be a form of art that was protest. And even if you look at something like the civil rights movement, when you look at direct action nonviolence, the marches, the sit-ins, etc., a lot of those were again choreographed to demonstrate, illustrate, dramatize mm-hmm. 
the injustice of racism and Jim Crow segregation. And so it was designed to promote and evoke a response, but it was planned carefully to do so. And so, um, I mean, this was a whole philosophy, yeah, right? Yeah. Like it, you have to dramatize the injustice in order to get people to care. Man, so the academy, assembly, and the arts, the three core elements of the movement, the three core elements of a witness movement. I love that, man. I, I hope we get more opportunities to really show that. Yes. You know, even as we yes. go to certain events. Let and- me put in a plug. One of my dreams for the Witness website has always been to feature more of the arts. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this and you do spoken word poetry, you create videos, you do visual art, uh, uh, whatever it might be, we would love to see that on the Witness. You send us whatever art it is, give us an explanation uh, from from your faith perspective about what this is and why you're doing it. And it doesn't even have to, it doesn't have to be explicitly Christian at all. Mm-hmm. Just tell us what the, the soul is behind that art. And we'll post it. We'll be glad to point people we'll to, to artists. And I don't know why it hasn't caught on. Maybe I just haven't vocalized it enough, but we want art. Because we ain't that artistic. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably it. But as you guys know, thank you for listening to The Witness of the Arts. But of course, of course, we have our three question segment coming. So stay tuned for that right here on Pastor Mike. Hey everybody, this is Tyler. Listen, Pastor Mike would not be here. We would not be who we are if not for the support of each one of you, our listeners. So we thank you, we appreciate you, but we also want to offer each of you the chance to help this show to keep going and growing by heading over to iTunes right now and writing us a review for this podcast. Just saying a few words of how this show is encouraging or inspiring you, it helps PTM greatly and it doesn't cost you a dime to do it. Now, that being said, if you do have the funds to support the show at any time, we encourage you to head over to patreon.com forward slash pass the mic to learn more about how your dollars can help fuel the growth of this podcast. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash pass the mic. And we are back right here on Pass the Mic for everybody's favorite segment. <laughs> Three questions with Jamar and Tyler. Jamar, I'm going to let you go first. Okay. This relates to something we were talking about earlier. Tell us about your experience stepping at Liberty University. <laughs> yeah, so I stepped with Alpha Nu Psi. It was a uh, brotherhood. We're not allowed to say we have fraternities, but it was a frat. <laughs> and uh, so we we stepped. Um, you guys our, made that frat, right? N- I didn't, but it was it was. I came, I think, three years after it started. Okay, so, but um, it it originated within the university. Yeah, it originated within the university, and uh, so that was a lot of fun. So I had the opportunity to do some step in there. What we used to always do is before the games, especially for the pledges, we used to always have to do stuff before the football games. So we used to have to step like before the games and stuff like that. And like in the middle of the games, they would make us do crazy things like run up and down the, the steps. Oh, and, nice. And all scream right. out and stomp and do all that type of stuff. Humbling. So that was very humbling. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing here? <laughs> but I crossed, I made it. So it was, it was all good. 
Um, if you could pick three famous people to be part of your entourage, who wow. would you pick? Your entourage, your plastic cup boys slash gals. Oh my gosh. Oh wow. Um, I guess I mean it totally depends on what you're doing. Am I a movie star? Am I just it, hey, a you're talking ju- head? You're Jamar Tisby. <laughs> my gracious. See, who's who's your squad? Who's your squad? Three famous people that you don't Killing know. Me. Um I'm terrible at this stuff on the spot. Exactly. That's why we're yeah. doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know if I say this, if he's going to be embroiled in any scandal or says something okay. funny, but uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Okay. Yeah. That would, all, that would be one of my picks for sure. He's a very good hype man. Look, um, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get The Rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, you see how he treats Kevin Hart. You're like, yeah, man, we can be best buds. <laughs> <laughs> knew you were gonna go there i just left myself okay. open let my guard down um uh, uh halle berry wow okay come on now don't I'm get yourself in trouble like movie stars <laughs> Uh, 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 I think she brings some dignity and some yeah, professionalism. Yeah, true, true, true. She'll probably keep us out of trouble. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, somebody wacky or zany. Um, Kel. Oh, Kel Mitchell from Kenny and Kel? Yes. The dude just got ordained. That's really interesting. Ha! See? Did you know go. that? He just got ordained. Okay. Yeah, he just got ordained, I believe, as a youth pastor. He probably wants to be on passing mic, don't you think? I think he actually, it's interesting. I think he actually just spoke at Liberty University, too. Huh. So you yeah. guys have that in common. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's very, very interesting. So you never know. We might get a little Kel Mitchell love uh, on PTM. So, okay. My, uh, oh, it's your second Yeah, question. yeah, yeah. Your favorite piece of clothing. Not a category of clothing. Your favorite piece of clothing. Oh, my favorite singular piece of clothing? Yes. Oof. Man, so I think I might, I would probably say um, my Air Force Ones. Huh. I'd probably say my Air Force Ones. It's just versatile. I already got to, I got to get a new pair because I've been cleaning them, but then, you know, you get dirty so quickly. Yep. But I just love them. them They're very comfortable and they kind of go with anything, you know, so you got to black. add a lot of flavor to it. Air Force Ones. You got some joggers. You can wear some, some forces. I think it's just... It's one of my favorite things to. So when I put on the forces, I feel ready. Like I feel like ah, go like tackle it. the day. So that's always the last thing I do. Like right before I go out, um, go out, leave, and go to the garage. I'll put on my forces, lace it up, take a deep breath, say, "All right, let's do it." <laughs> Laced up, game time, baby. Let's get it in. All right, if you were an Olympic athlete, what what sport would you compete in? <laughs> Track probably really <laughs> the stereotype. I'm shocked. I for thought you would have said. People. I thought you would have said boxing. Um, mm, boxing is really brutal, man. It's fun. It's yeah. a great sport. You you great at it too. I used to be a boxer. Yeah. Um, the first thing that came to mind was curling. <laughs> That's fire. That's fire. Actually, I have no idea. You know, um, I was thinking, you know, what might I possibly ever be in the Olympics for? The closest thing would be boxing because I've done it. Doesn't mean I'm Olympic caliber um, right, right. or running. You know. Okay. So yeah. Bet. Um, what's one goal you have for 2020? One goal I have for 2020. Oof, man. I don't know if I want to share my goals with y'all. I don't know if y'all, don't accountability. Know. Come on. I know y'all gonna be like, what, what you doing on what that happened? goal? 
don't know, man. Um, one goal that I have. <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. I do want to preach. I do want to preach 40 times this year. So wow. I want to kind of do want to preach 40 times. I haven't, haven't done that yet. I mean, in like a main, main church context, like I've preached in, you know, youth services for years, but yeah. You know, kind of like a main church context, really get in. Does do do uh, if people invite you places to preach, does that count as one of the forty? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do. I do that. I go and speak. So if anybody wants to, yeah, I was about yeah, to about to up. say. Yeah. And Tyler is a preacher boy. Go go listen to our episode on the witness of preaching. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll come. I'll come to your to your area. I'll go any. I'll go anywhere once. So, <laughs> Tyler at the witness bcc.com hit me up let me know um final question if you had to sing one song to save your life to save my to life to save your life like you it's it's a rap if you don't make it happen you out of here one song to save your life what would it be Paul Roberson version of Let My People Go. <laughs> Very appropriate, too. <laughs> when Israel okay, came to Egypt land, mm, 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 mm. let my people go. They worked so hard they could not stand. Let my people go. Go night. <laughs> Yo, that's like an all-time pastor Mike moment. I yeah. couldn't believe you started singing. Bro, that was incredible, man. What else you're supposed to do? You said a song to save your life. You didn't know he had a gun to my head. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, nah, we um, pacifists around here. No, no guns. No guns around here. <laughs> Thanks so much for you guys tuning in to part four of can i get a witness we want you to continue to give us feedback you can follow us at underscore pastor mike at the witness bcc at burns 23 at jamar tisby come back next week for part five of our series you do not want to miss it we'll see you next time right here on pass the mic This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.